0: Welcome to Clinical Corner. I'm your host, Leslie Kamenoff, and I've been a yoga educator since 1979. And most of that time, I've had the privilege of learning from working with individuals. In each episode of this podcast, I'll chat with other clinicians about the history, techniques, and stories related to the healing work they do with their clients. The premium version of this episode in which my guest and I review and analyze a video recording of them working with a client in a private session, is available by subscription at breathingproject.com. Now, let's get to our episode. All right. We've hit record, and I'm here with my old friend, one of my oldest yoga friends, Larry Payne. Um, So when I say you're an old yoga friend, I mean it in both ways. You're old. And... (laughs) And you're one of my oldest yoga friends.
1: <laughs> well, the major story is I knew you as a swami. <laughs> yes, I was
0: still I was still wearing
1: orange when you first met me in yeah, uh, 81. You were you were marrying people. And well, then, I did uh,
0: one. I did the one wedding. That was it. I, well, I was, well, that I,
1: counts. I, that
0: counts. You married people, you know. Yeah. I have that video still. I'll probably post that at some point with commentary on it. <laughs> Platform. Um, That was a trip. Yeah. Rudra and Kamala were their names, as I recall. Oh, my gosh. um, I did the full-on fire ceremony and all that. But we're not here to talk about me and my past, although my past (laughs) does intersect with yours at numerous points. Yes, it Um, does. We're here to talk about you. Now, just just so that you know, uh, I'm in New York. Most people know that. You, tell us where you are sitting right
1: now. Uh, I'm in uh, Marina del Rey area. And uh, we've had this family house for um 40 years. And what happened is when my mom was in her last stages, I gave her this house for eight years and I moved into the marina, which doubled my rent, but you only got one mom. <laughs> yeah. And then when she passed and she had a lovely life, 95, uh, I moved back in. And my old buddy Shashi, who was the first person I met in India, Shashi Vilipanadu? Yes, the, he's yeah, a palm he, reader, astrologer. Yes. person. yeah, yeah. Uh, seventh generation psychic palmist. He's living in the back, and it's a wonderful relationship. Wow, yeah, cool. It's
0: like a, it's like a Larry David thing, sort of. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, that guy's that guy's more raunchy. <laughs> Shashi's more up and up. Oh, okay. All right.
0: Now, just, just to be clear to our audience who's watching this on video, uh, and for those of you on audio, I'll describe the background that Larry is sitting in front of. Um, it's not your house. It's a green screen, but it's projecting a lovely looks image good. something. Looks good. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. <laughs> looks it, it looks <laughs> like you have a lot of room <laughs> yeah. there. Um, yeah. So now, I met you in 1981. As you mentioned, I was still a swami i had been sent to la to run the shivananda yoga community on uh sunset strip <laughs> um which is a hell of a place to put a yoga center um and you had just opened your center Samata. um yeah in in the in behind the house that you just described your 1980 1980 yeah. right and so it had been open i think for less it had to be less than a year at that point and and you had just returned from a trip to India. You were touring all over the place. So how did you... So I know you've told the story a thousand times, but you were working... Uh, That's the way I'm going to tell it to you. Yeah. So <laughs> you, were, you were working in publishing. You, you were the L.A. person for McCall's Magazine. Um, and West Coast manager of advertising. West Coast manager. So it wasn't just L.A., it was the whole West Coast. Um, and... So you ended up getting involved getting involved in yoga for very personal reasons because of what was going on with, with you at that point in your life. So tell us a little bit about that story there.
1: What happens when you're in the advertising sales business that mm-hmm. you have no hours. They just the better you do, the more they pile on you. Mm-hmm. And uh they kept piling it on me until I started getting a twitch and then I started getting a back problem. And the LA has got some good doctors. I went to several doctors and mm-hmm. nobody could the Hell was wrong, you know. So, my running partner, Bill Grant, mm-hmm. said, Larry, my wife goes to this yoga class. Why don't you come? Go I go, ah, yoga. Come on. So, I went, and it was a disciple of Indra Devi. Her name was Renee Taylor. Uh-huh. And she's the one who helped Renee, uh, helped Indra Devi write her first book, The Yoga for Americans. Mm. So, I walked in and came out in the 50s, football.
0: right? We're talking about the 1950s. This goes way back. That first yeah, for her.
1: Yeah. 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 So anyway, I walk in, I was watching these women warm up. I I said, I can't possibly do that. <laughs> Just do what you can and you'll be surprised. Yeah.
0: So she wait, gave wait, a- that's your imitation of Renee. Yes, <laughs> Now, describe the scene, okay, because this is this is not like yoga studios we're familiar with now, right? So what is this room you're walking into?
1: Like I think it was a, a library of a of a um you know, like a public library room or something like that. It was not like her center, uh-huh. And they're they're all you know familiar with it and warming up, and so she said, "Do what you can." So at the end, she gave a fifteen minute shavasana. Mm. When I opened my eyes, my back pain was gone, mm. my twitches were gone, and I felt like i had been smoking something. <laughs> I was so high, and it lasted for four or five hours. Mm. So I just didn't even look back. I just, I thanked her. I went to my, where I lived and there was a man named Raghavan who had a a scientific yoga center. And I I went over there and I I just never looked back within a year. I was off to India. But what happened before that is that he would have a a juice cleanse on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I always liked that. And he said, well, if you really want, the full effect, you'll go away and take a two-week cleanse at this place called Meadowlark. Mm-hmm. I said, two weeks, that's my vacation, you know? And he said, no, you, you So I went there, and the big surprise was the father of holistic medicine.
0: Everett Loomis. Me,
1: was, yeah. Dr. Everett Loomis was yeah. there, and he'd been there for 20 years. Wow. And he just took me in, and, uh, the you know, you he was way ahead of his time. They had intensive uh journaling and every morning uh an interactive uh psychotherapy session with everybody. Mm. And at the end of the two weeks, I decided that I wanted to leave my career and so I wanted to take a trip around the world and wow. he gave me a list he had done it earlier. Mm. He gave me a list of some people I didn't go to too many of them, but he because I got sidetracked in India. so
0: notice in if you're in India, these are the people you have to meet list. Um,
1: more like the people outside of India, like in Europe, oh, uh, in the, the Black Forest. Um, oh, I see. India. So this
0: wasn't the the India list of people. Oh, you were, no, oh no. okay.
1: Huh. No, I got that from somebody else. Okay.
0: Okay. Right. So, so, so just anyway, just to backtrack but, a bit. Just just for our listeners who are not in our age bracket, um, and I'm putting myself in your age bracket, but. You're older than me. Uh, but, uh, yeah,
1: I'm older. Yeah. But
0: the, the, <laughs> the point is that, that Meadowlark was sort of this proto new age spa-ish kind of place that that has a connection to a tradition that actually went back even further on the West Coast because we're talking like the nature boys who you know were early health food advocates, people like gypsy boots. Gypsy boots. Right. Yeah. And, and Gypsy and, used to come uh, by it, the yoga it, center and sell his dates.
1: I mean, he used to hang out, right? He, I When I when I had my entertainment magazine, he had a column in it. <laughs> right. So well, this is going so back before to
0: like I went 40s. Calls.
1: Yeah. This is the yeah. like 40s, 50s, for, 60s. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember we talked about Gypsy Boots. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, uh, Loomis was really the father of holistic medicine. So mm-hmm. I went to my boss at, at McCall's Magazine and I said, you know, I really like you guys, but I quit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the sojourn. And so, and he did something amazing. He said, look, it, don't quit. I'll give you a year sabbatical. Wow. That's unheard of in advertising. <laughs>
0: Really? So uh, the uh, next uh, person waiting uh, to replace you is nipping at your heels. And if you right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I had a press card for McCall's magazine, a brand new camera recorder, and I was from California. So wherever I went, like nobody turned me down for an interview until I got to Christian Machari.
0: (laughs) uh, (laughs) Okay. So so who did you get the India list from of like who to visit in India?
1: Okay. Well, I had a cousin that i had only met a couple times in my life. My mother told me about his father was a physicist and he was studying the same thing in college. He took acid and dropped out, went to India and became a sadhu for real. Wow. Wow. Took on a sadhu name, the robes and all this stuff. And my mother said he had a headquarters. He hung out at the Theosophical Society in oh near Descartes. Right, in Adyar, sure. Yes. And if you join that before you go, when you get there, you can have cheap accommodations, really, really, really good. Hmm. So what happened is that my first thing that was the only thing that was booked was a a teacher training with Shivananda. And Shashi was the one who picked me up at the airport. He was one of the teachers. Now, wait, is this, so this is in Trivandrum?
0: Uh, Uh, That's that's where it was, Yeah.
1: So you're yeah, the, he,
0: wow. They that was he, they they had must have recently acquired that property because they couldn't have had it for too long when you were there
1: in what was it 1980? Yeah, they had it for about a year, and Shashi's family uh-huh. was okay. part of Swami Vishnu getting it. Oh, really? So he helped? Yeah, save a, 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 yeah. His father. So was there in eighty one, and it was
0: still life. new, right? So yes, yeah.
1: wow, huh. yeah. And when I came there, they're calling me Walakaran and all that, you know, like white guy. You know, <laughs> I walk in there. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, uh, on the just on the ride from the airport to the training, I told Shashi that he he belonged in America, you know, and he didn't belong there. And I ended up sponsoring him mm. to America, and he ended up saving my life when I had horrible maybe dysentery. He took me to a hospital. And there was no room there, and he pulled some strings and got me in. In India, in Tirundram. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: I think Shashi yeah. was still there in '81 when I was there. He didn't come right away to the states, did he? he no,
1: was, no. Yeah. It was a couple of years. Yeah. yeah, a couple years. But the thing is, when you're asking me who who clued me in, the only person I knew of, other than Shivananda, was Ayango. I knew I wanted to go see him. Oh. So I went to see my cousin, and I heard he was staying. He was headquartered at Theosophical with all of his properties and stuff so I went to this woman who was the head of it and she had been there forever her name was Norma Shastri probably 50 years she was the head of it in India and I said I'm looking for my cousin Ray Angona and she took her glass and she said here is cousin yeah. he says you'll see him in the library he's got dreadlocks sadhu robes and he has a horrible B.O. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if i it went weren't for
0: your if it weren't for your back pain and that shavasana in a library and then studying with raghavan and all of that you would never even have known about that you had a cousin who was a sadhu which which is absolutely you know, crazy that that you or someone yeah. in your family had already made that
1: journey for themselves yeah huh yeah and so i i sat in front of him i'd only met him like probably once in my life when i was a kid yeah I said, I'm your cousin, Larry. And he looked at me and just stared at me and his eyes filled up with tears. Hmm. We went outside and it was morning and we sat and talked until it was dark. Wow. And he said, "Uh, listen, I've been to all these people. He says, why don't you go to Iyengar's teacher? He's right over here. And I said, yeah, I started writing things down. And he gave me all the ones, and he told me the ones that were fake, the ones that were not. Mm. He, told me, he told me about Sai Baba. Mm. He told me Indra Devi was there. Um, Indra Devi the was in story. India then? You yeah. Said, 1980? Yeah. Huh. yeah. Yeah. And um, the funny story is that um, uh, when uh, uh, I was staying at the Theosophical, Richard Miller was there. That's where we met. And that's where I approached him. Let's start A-I-A-Y-T. And after he said yes, it took almost like seven or eight years to really get it going. But that's where we started. But anyway, he sent an aerogram to Iyengar and said, I'm Richard Miller. I'm here observing yoga teachers. I'd like to come and observe your class. Mm-hmm. And Iyengar writes, nobody observes my class. <laughs> I suggest you go somewhere else. So I said what... Dear Mr. Rango, I've come all this way to be at your feet. Uh, it would be such an honor if I could study with you. <laughs> he goes, oh, please come. I don't know if I can
0: teach you anything. So basically, you're teaching, Richard, this is how you kiss a guru's ass. This is how, this is how you get him to say yes. And, well, I was in sales. You know, so. I was sales. That's that's. you were in, you were in advertising sales. So that's Could've how you write nice a letter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: couldn't have been nicer to me. He dressed up, interview. Yeah. He took me to his uh, his level one class, level two, and level uh, like a therapeutic class. Wait, was Richard with you? Did he? Did he? No, did no, he... Richard didn't come. <laughs>
0: you, so, you, did, you didn't bother to put in your letter. Would you mind if my photographic assistant? No. no, that's harsh.
1: <laughs> But, you know, his level two class (laughs) warmed up with standing drop over back. So I had to literally be in the bathtub for an hour before I could even come to his class because I was so sore from the day before. I was there for two weeks. Wow. So, you know, one thing I admire about him him, and Desk was that. You know, you make a lot more money off of uh, uh, Westerners, and they always had a place for the locals and, and charge them local prices. So that, that, I thought that was very honorable. Sure. So now you were
0: at, in Adhyar at the Theosophical Society, literally walking distance from Krishnacharya's house and mm-hmm. the KYM, the Krishnamacharya Yoga Mangaram. Um, and on your very first trip there, you run into Richard Miller. Um, and you're already talking about organizing something like on
1: that, I came to him and I said, I want to start uh, uh, this organization. And he says, well, if you do, you're going to need a journal. He says, and I can, I can be the editor of the journal. Hmm. And I said, well, I'll be the publisher and I've sold some advertising. So... I'll be the president and advertising director.
0: The reason I'm pointing this out is that the unbelievable chutzpah it took for you (laughs) to, at this very early stage of your yogic connection, to already being (laughs) appointing yourself
1: president of an international association of yoga therapists. Why not? Well, I was older than you, you know, yeah, so right. that's... And
0: so so and so. and how did it go with the um, attempt at connecting with
1: Krishnamacharya, seeing as how you we were right around the corner? Hilarious. Yeah. Because everybody I went to was so cool about an interview and everything. Yeah. So I get there in Deskachar greased me. And at that time, A.G. Mohan was the managing director of the Krishnamacharya Mandra.
0: Right, because they co-founded it in 1976. Four years prior to your arrival, I believe.
1: Uh, who co-founded? Deskitar and his father? And Mohan. Oh, he was a co-founder. I didn't even know that. As far as I know, that's
0: the story I heard. But anyway, they were they were still working together at that
1: point. Yeah, they they met each other. They were both engineers and they met each other at work. Right. And then his guitar brought him into the fold. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, Mohan's wife, Indra, was really popular there. She's she's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So um, I came there and Desikachar, I met Mohan, and he says, I'll see, and Desikachar comes in, and he goes, I'm sorry, sir, my father doesn't do interviews anymore. Mm. And I, he says, but if you want to wait for two weeks, I'll see if he can meet you.
0: <laughs> two weeks. So,
1: so I had Mohan for two weeks and private lessons, and then Desikachar oh. gave me one at the very end. His father comes out, and I didn't know anything about touching their feet and all that kind of stuff. You know, he was like five foot one or five foot two, and he walked around jolinda or (laughs) banda to keep his energy in. (laughs) He comes out with his son, and I just went like this, and because I didn't drop down and all that stuff, he looked at me like "Who in the f are you?" and turned around and walked away, and that was the first meeting. After two weeks. <laughs> then when I got home, I called desk or wrote desk guitar and said, can I study with you? And, uh, you know, one-on-one. And he said, okay. So it was about two years later, I came back. And uh, he said, I've been looking at your background. And he said, I've always wanted to do a tribute to my father mm-hmm. in America. Would you consider it? And I said, yeah. So then he got uh, coached me. he, he and Mohan were giving me private lessons, you know, twice a day. And he gave me well, all were, the. You, you, were, you were being tag teamed by Desikachar and Mohan in the lessons. Yeah. On your second uh, trip. They were trying to beef me, they're trying to beef me up because I was going to be representing them. <laughs> I see. Uh-huh. So then now, he took me what to do it. Are you selling that DVD, by the way, of the tribute that you. Yeah, you know, I have it. And most people now are on digital. So I have it that way. But. Ends up I made a whole bunch of them. Now I'm just sort of giving them away to people. Um, well, however and you're and distributing them now, if people are
0: interested in seeing this amazing uh, document of this tribute uh, with Gary on stage demonstrating asanas. right? <laughs> <laughs> Gary Capital. Um And Desikatar chanting and telling stories. And, of course, the special guest who arrived and told her story was Indra Devi.
1: Right, it's the only place they have Indra Devi speaking English in a video, and I I gave it to the people who did the yoga unveiled to use. Yeah, but it's like, um, you know, it's not like watching Homeland, it gets boring in between. But if you just skip to the places, you know, where like Indra Devi speaking or Deska chanting, it's pretty good. It's like an hour and a half.
0: Any part of it, I was fascinated, but anyway, we'll put a link to uh, you'll give me a link and we'll put it on with the episode. So,
1: okay. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and then I uh, you know uh he brought me into his father and his father's wanted to do a blessing for me mm-hmm. to do this thing so Krishmacharya gave me a half hour ceremony wow and you know and I knew all the stuff from Descatar keep my eyes on him touch his feet all that stuff so that that was a thrill wow and so then we put it on uh at the Manly Hall Center. And that's where Interdebrie came in, Desk Guitar came in, all those people came in. In Los Angeles, just to be clear. Yes. Okay. And yeah. we filmed it.
0: So and it's available, and we will put that link there, which I, you know, encourage everyone to take advantage of because it's a uh, it's a historic um telling of the of the story with with the archival photographs, many of which have become very well known at this point. But it's really the first chance for people outside of India. To see it all kind of collected there. And of course, Chris Machari was still alive when you did this, but was very shortly going to not be alive. Um, yep. So with in less than a year after this tribute, he was he was already gone. And but I, I they were already gearing up for the centenary celebration in India, I would think, at that point, because he was about to turn a hundred and they have this this other film. Um that was made, the documentary that's made of 100 years of beatitude, right, of the ceremonies that we're doing in, in India around his 100th uh, birthday.
1: And, and at this tribute, Christian Machari, at 100 years old, did a 30-second om to start it off. Try that sometime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just barely getting there, 30 yeah, seconds. Well, after,
0: after COVID, <laughs> I'm, I'm down to about, <laughs> on an average day about 45 minutes. <laughs> but i i used to be able to do a minute uh fairly consistently but that was before. a minute yeah. a minute that's long Well, that's nothing compared to some people i know <laughs> wow
1: yeah wow minute is really but good. for a hundred year old to be doing a
0: 30 second dome that's
1: that's damn impressive yes. yeah pretty good yeah um so you know, then uh somewhere along the line uh you know, I heard about Leroy Perry and came over and met you and you know what you what you did over there with the you, you set it all up for me. you had it well, all already. Yeah, let, let's get to that part of the story because
0: one of the significant moments um in my uh development was when when you had were telling when I first met you, maybe the first or second time I met you, you were telling me this story about your trip to India and of all the people you you met and got to work with, you were most impressed with Desikachar. Um at least in my recollection of your retelling of that. <laughs> um, yes. And and when I asked what was most impressive about him, you said, well it's all in the breath. Like what because of all the names you mentioned, I had heard of all of them except Desikachar. You know, I'd heard of Ayangar and I think did you go to Lonavala, to the Kavalyudam? Yes. You know, because I had heard of the Cavaliadham and the work they were doing in La Navola, which is...
1: The Institute of Santa Cruz, the the uh,
0: Vivekananda Institute. It, yeah. All but the them. only name I didn't recognize was Desicciarz. And I said, well, what's so special about him? And you said, well, it's all in the breath. And you didn't say <laughs> a whole lot more at that point, but it got me thinking... <laughs> And it kind of it kind of shifted. Well, you my, sure
1: expanded on that one. <laughs> yeah, it, I did, but it shifted my attention
0: to what I at that point. I was only teaching Shivananda yoga, but I started really noticing the way people were breathing and sometimes not breathing, and how we were coordinating some of the things we were doing with breathing. And um, it really did shift my my focus in a significant way. Um, and eventually, of course, I stopped being a Swami and Eventually, after, you know, sometime after that, I left Shivananda, uh, although there was a period where I stayed on running that center as not a Swami. Um, but uh, I moved in with, with Linda Huey, um, who was my girlfriend at the time. And that was right around when Leroy Perry uh, was starting the International Sports Medicine Institute. So this is in 1982. Now we're already in 1982. Were
1: you with Linda before she came to the ISI?
0: Yeah, we were, I started seeing her uh, in, I guess it was the
1: late 1981. Um, she and, was an Olympic sportscaster and played in a woman's professional football league. <laughs> Linda did a lot of things. I mean, this yeah. is a woman who wrote an autobiography
0: at age 27. So, you know, she already had had a full enough life to fill a book. At age twenty-seven, with the significant stuff she was doing, and we
1: love you, Linda.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were. I was just with her in Eugene, Oregon, for the World Championships of the Track and Field. Uh, ah. so yeah. Anyway, um, so I started working at International Sports Medicine Institute, which was the building I was already familiar with because it was world for men, which was down the street from world for women, the two health clubs where I was teaching yoga when I was with Shivananda. Uh, So I was in that building before Leroy teaching yoga. Um, Yeah. So anyway, a lot of things started happening. Then Um, it was kind of the, the birth of the fitness industry uh, at that time in history. Uh, And we were sort of at ground zero in Los Angeles. Um, and a lot of the uh, athletes that were trying to get on the team for 1984, because remember, they didn't have an Olympics in 1980 because there was the boycott of the Moscow Games. So Leroy was working with a lot of these athletes, particularly track and field athletes. Um, and th- and I originally started working there not because of yoga, but because of the Accuscope. I was doing the electro-medical thing that I had learned how to yeah. do from Jack yeah. Scott. But they started, they wanted to have, Leroy wanted to have a massage therapy department. department and so we brought in Craig, who became my first bodywork teacher. Uh, they were bringing in acupuncture, you know, all of these alternative things. And, and Leroy found out about the yoga, that I was involved in the yoga. And I started doing some flexibility work with some of the athletes and this opportunity to have like a yoga therapy department was discussed. And I knew that I didn't know what the hell I was doing, right? But I I knew someone who did know a little bit more what he was doing because you at that time were working on your your, uh, thesis and eventually your dissertation, which centered around yoga for back pain. And so I was like, well, what about Larry? You know, you want to have a yoga therapy department here. um, It makes sense for Larry Payne to do it. And so this was 1980. Or or 83 or 84? It was 84 84. when you came in. So we had been there for a while at that point. Because I started, I, I left Shivanand in 82. I think I started working for Leroy in late 82 or early 83. So by 84, this opportunity arose. And then you come in.
1: Right and well, you you laid the groundwork, and you were very kind about it because you could have tried to go for it yourself. I was just being and, honest. Yeah, I you know I'd been teaching
0: yoga for what maybe five years at that point, but yoga therapy—that's a whole other thing, you know. And and you you, in particular, yoga for back pain was your that was your bailiwick at that point. That was your thing, and that's what they wanted. Was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then you came in, and then John Hertz was there. And the doctor, the, the, the chiropractor John Hertz, and the infamous Pain Hurts Back Clinic got started.
1: And shortly after that, Dan Too Good and Blur Sweet came in. So it was Sweet Pain Hurts Too Good. <laughs> I know. Sometimes pain chiropractors hurts, have did, strange we, names. Yeah. Yes. We did radio shows on uh, Pain Hurts, and we had a lot of fun with that. And I still, in touch with John Hertz today. Oh really? Is he back up in Oregon or uh is he No, no, he's here and he's uh, teamed with another medical doctor and he's got quite a following as usual. He always had a lot of celebrities. Mm-hmm. And uh so yeah, he's doing fine. I saw him not too long ago. His hair is white and ah. uh he's uh he's he uh, with his they're doing good, they're doing great.
0: Yeah, so that was a really interesting, exciting, creative time. Uh, The Olympics were coming in 84. Linda and I were traveling all over the place because we were also working as travel agents. So we went to Australia a couple of times. We went to Helsinki (laughs) for the first world championships of track and field. Um, Everyone was interested in the Accuscope, which was really doing wonders with healing, speeding the healing of soft tissue industry in, in injuries. And I was starting to learn body work uh and myofascial release from uh from craig and i really? got to a fly on the wall when leroy was giving these seminars for all the chiropractors who were coming in learning you know functional taping and extremity manipulation and biomechanical analysis and all of that stuff so what are you what are your strongest memories from those those days at this inter- at the international sports medicine institute when you were doing the yoga therapy there
1: well first of all um with my old marketing stuff, I I inquired at the Yoga Journal and they did the first ever story on yoga therapy.
0: In oh. Yoga Journal.
1: In the Yoga Journal uh, with me and uh, uh, Leroy. Mm-hmm. But it really stood out to me. I remember that right next to my little office, Madonna would come for massage. <laughs> so He and I started doing this, oh, oh, like that kind of stuff. And uh, then on... A given day walking to practicing the walk was <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor, Shirley MacLaine, uh, uh her brother, yes, <laughs> of course, Adolph uh, Lundgren, you know, and on and on and on and on. Yeah. And it was like that was the most and he every week he was on TV because he pissed off the doctors so they were always going at each other yeah and uh Libra was fixing people he was and he was good
0: at pissing off people in the in the medical field and other chiropractors too um <laughs> he had a real talent for that yeah <laughs> but he got results and I learned so much just from watching his hands as he worked. And I didn't realize I was learning how to do some of those things just by watching because that's I'm like an observe and absorb kind of learner. So, you know, it, it sort of like through osmosis um influenced me in in ways that uh you know still inform a lot of the stuff I do when I do hands-on work with people. So it wasn't it was an exciting time and um and I uh I I left LA um In the fall of uh, 84, uh, after the Olympics, drove back to New York, started working here. I started working for an osteopath who um, I was connected to uh, through Herbie Berger, who was another big acuscope guy, because Herbie was working for him here in New York. And so I started sort of uh, eventually developing some of the connections and the skills that would let me go into my own private practice. So from 84, how long did you... um, work at- it was only
1: about uh i think two or three years
0: mm-hmm. so you uh, stayed on general. after
1: i left la at isi yeah. mm-hmm. stayed on there mm-hmm. and i remember for a while your mom used to come to my group class <laughs> she when was she was visiting small. me in la yeah yeah yes yeah, so you yeah. there uh-huh. and um uh there were so many wonderful people that came into that place and uh um you know, celebrity city, um, and then also the other thing is, there was a movie that didn't do too good called *Clan of the Cave Bear*. For oh, those Daryl Hannah. Yes. Yeah. So he had all of them come in for yoga class. Uh huh. So I'd be teaching the class, and then Jackson Brown would come in, and they would get in this convertible Dodge, and her hair would fly behind her. You know, and uh, it was a lot of fun, and there were several people there that were actors in that film that I knew later on and worked with and so forth and so on. But that's the kind of stuff that was going on there.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was, a felt like being at the epicenter of, like, celebrities getting their backs fixed. Fitness, yeah. See, we, we, would be, we would be, after hours, just pulling their x-rays and, and looking at celebrity x-rays, too, which was... <laughs> com- I mean, with the way HIPAA is now, that was so uncool, if you think about it, that uh-huh. we were... You know, just saying, Oh wow, well, look at so and so's spine. That's interesting. But I learned a lot by looking at a lot of spines, actually, celebrity or not. I mean this the, the spine you were, did learn,
1: you did learn a lot. Yeah, Leslie. Yeah. You had that reputation.
0: So at what point, and I asked this question of, of Gary, and nobody had ever really framed it this way before or in this language, because this is called Clinical Corner, this podcast. And um I know when I think back to the experiences I had where I started to think of myself as somebody who specialized in working one-on-one with people. I didn't, I wouldn't necessarily have attached the word clinician to it back then, but now when I look back, uh, I can see the progression of what I went through to become something like a clin- clinician. So if you, if you kind of turn that lens back on those days and you know the ones that followed in your life and your career uh, at what point did you start to see yourself as someone who was actually going to focus not just on teaching yoga classes but doing more of this one-on-one focused yoga therapy clinical work with people when did when when did you start and, and did you start to think of yourself as a clinician at some point
1: oh uh, right after desk guitar because that's how he worked you know one-on-one Mm-hmm. And then, uh, with rolling with the um, you know the International Associations of Yoga Therapists, I started having to associate that. And then also, you and I were both um, like associate directors or whatever of Unity and Yoga, and like uh, vice president. Was, or yeah, that yeah, was yeah. We were both had a, role, a similar role. Yeah. with Mama Vernon, and she connected so many people. and she was the one who got all the different schools to come together and the most stubborn was Iyengar school and they finally came and we met in Marietta and and all the you know and that became the yoga journals conferences and uh you well, know Well the most stubborn
0: stuff. Larry are the ones who never showed. Shivananda never showed up to conferences as an organization Oh, oh really yeah I didn't know Iyengar that. people showed up eventually but
1: yeah, she had
0: a policy about not really sort of mixing things up with other schools or with conferences or things like
1: that we both we both worked with Rama Vernon and we have to give her a lot of credit for you yeah. know putting all this stuff together all the schools come together and became what happened at the yoga journal and all those conferences and so forth and so on so I gave her a lot of credit but I I started pretty quickly uh right after Jessica char mm-hmm. and and Leroy, Coming back and just you know having my own little center going, and then I worked in another chiropractor's office. His name was Brad Harder. Mm-hmm. I also worked with the late Jesse Hanley, who was an MD in uh, in the Malibu. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, doing those kind of things, and then I I really started to get heavy duty with the Yoga Therapy Association because I was running it, and then all the magazines came out, and they were in my you know bedroom, and you know it was like I was living and breathing that, and then we did our the first ever uh, IAYT teacher training yoga therapy training was at Meadowlark with Dr. Loomis. And what year would that have been? Oh, God.
0: Um, you got to dig deep here, Larry. Yeah, um,
1: I would give it um sort of late 80s. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. And it was all centered around A.G. Mohan. So Ag Mohan came, and this is when Deskatar and I had our first falling out. Because I was
0: since you brought up Mohan, I was going to see if you were willing to talk about that a little bit because that was a big yeah. deal for you. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was a big deal. Mm. Deskachar didn't like the fact that I did, and I, I asked Deskatar to clear it with with I asked Mohan to clear with Deskatar, and he said he would. And Deskachar goes, "No, he didn't," you know, <laughs> and it was like not not fun for about a a year or two, and then we finally got back together.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, well they they had a pretty significant falling out and it was never
1: reconciled as far as I know um, you, you know, know what's amazing uh, Leslie, is no matter how evolved these people are, whether they're Buddhists yoga when somebody leaves the fold, they act like little kids yeah. they really yeah, you, you know, it happens in Buddhist circles. And uh we, we you know, <laughs> you know Descartes and Mohan weren't even talking to each other. It was just like, and he was he was a co-founder of the center. You know? Know.
0: Well, you see, so that was the that, thing about Rama, because Rama would just call that bullshit and say, look, if friggin' yoga teachers can't get along with each other, who in the world can, right?
1: Yeah, she was wonderful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, by the way, I'm going to put a link to that tribute that we did. Uh, that that Zoom call that that we did a while back after Rama passed, because people yeah. listening to this, if you if you haven't heard of or or don't know enough about the incredible influence that Rama Jyoti Vernon was on everything that's happening today in the yoga world, there's not a thing I think that's happening in the yoga world that is more than you know two or three degrees of separation from something that Rama significantly contributed to. Um, oh, it's worthwhile uh, clicking on that link of that video we made of the Zoom tribute where we all got together
1: and talked about Rama shortly after she passed away. Uh, and, you know, the other things is she set up this thing that I went on, a peace conference in Israel. Ah. Uh, she had the Soviet-American dialogue. Uh, she was amazing. just amazing. was. And she, influenced and she was beautiful. Yeah. yeah, she was beautiful, too, inside and out. Right. So, so
0: here's, here's, um, you've got the, uh, the, the starting to do the yoga therapy trainings, and this is long before, obviously, uh, IAYT started having discussions about s- s- accreditation standards for yoga therapy, because we're talking late eighties, early nineties, something like that. Um, and all this time you're, you're not just Teaching classes. Well, it's Samata, the classes are necessarily it's not a huge place. These are fairly small classes by the standards of what was going on in LA at the time, where things were just blowing up in, in
1: tremendously, right? But mind cast well cast with the power yoga and all that. Yeah. cast i took one teacher training and it was at my studio with me and Mara corico <laughs> Well, let's give a shout out to Mara, by the way. Yeah,
0: by the way. Because if, if if anyone here is familiar with Jane Fonda's yoga video, you you don't think Jane designed it, do you?
1: <laughs> that was Mara. And uh Mara did the first ever book on yoga uh for the yoga journal. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, she did the first book. Uh so she did a lot of pioneering things. Where, where's Mara uh, now? She's living down near San Diego, mm-hmm. and she has private clients, and uh, she does uh, yoga and body work and movement therapy. And she has a little newsletter out. If you just put it in Mara Carrico, you'll get on her newsletter. And she's right. she's still, still moving still and shaking, still doing it. Yeah, still doing. it.
0: Right, and so um, this is all. So so yoga is blowing up all over the place by the early to mid 90s. Right. Just like the, the early to mid 80s, fitness is blowing up. The fitness industry is actually inventing itself out of so many influences, not the least of which was yeah. Jane Fonda. Um, yeah. You know
1: but she was big.
0: Yeah, yeah, huge. And and she she was coming in to get treated by Leroy, you know, when I her remember she, got messed up. Um, and because her studio was just down the road, it's just on Motor Avenue. And, and Leroy was on Motor and National. Um, and and so about ten years later, yoga is blowing up in the popular culture because fitness and yoga are now forming a partnership because all these more athletic forms of yoga are being practiced and and that's largely the Ashtanga influence, the Vinyasa style. That that you know you can get a workout, you can get sweaty, you can do all of that, but you you're sticking to your guns and you're taking things in. The direction of let's focus on smaller classes let's focus on the individual work uh, and let's let's recognize that we inhabit aging bodies that are not going to be able to do this kind of stuff forever right so at what point did you make the 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 very intentional uh focus on this what
1: eventually turned into
0: yoga for prime of life 11
1: years ago okay I mean, I was I was heading that way. Also, I had a big following in Malibu. I went out there and those classes were big. It was in like a, a student auditorium kind of a thing and we would have forty, fifty in that class. But you're not and, teaching vinyasa yoga here. You're not no. jumping around and sweating no. and yeah. Sort of doing my own style. And there were a lot of celebrities out there mm-hmm. <laughs> teaching teach, <tongue, laughs> for the class. And, no, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. But one oh, of the funny funniest... I'm sorry,
0: you know I forgot one thing before we jumped into that era. Yes. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you just a little bit about Mataji, because your very first yoga experience, that Shavasana that changed your life and from her you, student. And, and by exponentially, exponential association, so many thousands of other people's lives because of the influence you've had. That was a student of Mataji, of Indira Devi, right? And yes. so you first met her when? And what was that special connection? Because you, you and her were uh, working very closely. Close.
1: Close. Um, I first met her at the Cheryl Harriman studio. So Shara Harriman was the first black yoga teacher in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so they she would come there, and that's where I met her. And so then when I took my trip to India, mm-hmm. she remembered me, and I asked if I could interview her while I was there in India. Mm-hmm. And she says, yes, but she said, uh, you know, while you're here, I want you to meet Sai Baba. She was very close with Sai Baba, yeah. Yes. Mm. So. Sai Baba, she raised some money for an orphanage. So Sai Baba was coming to dedicate it. So there was this area that was roped off. that held maybe 12 seats. And wherever Sai Baba would go, there'd be hundreds of people. So I was invited in. And as you looked around, and just looked like that. It was all a sea of heads. So I am sitting here, and next to me is a three-star general in the Army. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's got a neck brace on mm-hmm. So Sai Baba comes in uh, with uh, you know uh, Indra Devi, and she says, uh, "This is Larry Payne from McCall's magazine." And I like this, and he was kind to me. Went like that, and sitting next—I mean, right next to me—is this guy with the neck brace. So Sai Baba looks at him. He takes his kurta and shakes it down. That's his shirt. And so you can see, there's nothing on his arm—no tubes or anything like that. And he, Put His hands down. This guy had his hand open like this. He out of his hand was the booty, the holy ash. It happened. I was sitting like literally uh, uh, 12 inches away, mm-hmm. right in this guy's hand. So he went into his hands and then he took it and he and then he put some here. Yeah, he took off his neck brace and went like this. Mm-hmm. I, I have a picture of it and for the the. The next book I'm working on is called "The Autobiography of an American Yogi." It's on the cover, of that 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 shot, and it was a, and Shashi was there, and it was his friend who took the picture. Wow.
0: so because of Indra Devi, you got to witness that and meet Sai Baba, and but she now had she already made the move to Argentina at
1: that point in the early eighties, or uh, uh, no, no. Okay. no. So what happened is that she had a place near Rancho Laporta. That she purchased with uh, somebody who was like an adopted daughter. Okay, so and, for people who don't know, Rancho
0: La Perta is one of one of the earliest, perhaps the first, real pioneering vacation, new age spa, run by uh, Deborah Zek in Tecate, Mexico, just over the border from California.
1: Just for a little update, is four years in a row voted number one fitness destination in the world by Travel and Leisure. And Deborah Zekke just celebrated her hundredth birthday. Hundredth birthday, yeah, amazing, right? Yeah, yeah, amazing. And she comes and gives talks there, like all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, she,
0: when I think of Indra Devi, and I think of Deborah, I, I think these are like they're cut from similar cloth. These, these people who are living to over a hundred and still doing their thing, and um, just pioneers in what they've done.
1: Yeah. So what happened is people started invited Indra Devi away from her center to different places. So somebody invited her to Argentina. Mm -hmm. So she gives a talk and in her audience was a guy named, I don't know if I pronounced right, Fiaro, who was the Elvis Presley of Argentina. Mm -hmm. He got this vision that she was his mother from another lifetime and announced at his next (laughs) concert that his mother from another lifetime is given a yoga thing the next weekend. Wow, <laughs> 3,000 people showed up for her cover, and they never let her go they gave her a place to live wow. and from that point on she was centered in
0: Argentina instant red carpet, instant celebrity instant popularity and this is before Instagram like, an uh,
1: ambassador passed yeah. when she was on flying wow. that she either got on in first class or she didn't get on at all <laughs> wow.
0: And so that's so that's. I never heard that story of how she ended up living the rest of her life in Argentina, yeah. but she still traveled because I I
1: met her several times. Yeah. Um, she, would, she would go back and forth, yeah. and David and Yana Lefar are the ones who started the Indra Devi Foundation right. and took care of her until she died, and they're dear friends. At the age of one hundred and two, was it? One hundred and two, and almost one hundred and three, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. OK,
0: so I just I thought people would be interested in that because there's there's there, there's renewed interest in Indra Devi because people are interested in some of the roots and history of yoga. Plus, uh, Michelle Goldberg's book came out, The Goddess Pose, which which uh, tells the story of her life, which interestingly has no photographs because David hated the book
1: and wouldn't give her permission to use them. <laughs> right. Well, he, he said it wasn't the most flattering thing about her. Uh there's another stories about her. And I I'll tell you, I never saw anything negative about her ever. She was always giving and kind and just a character, you know. Absolutely.
0: Um, And and if you want to see her in full character, that video of the tribute to Krishna Acharya. Yes. Uh absolutely shows her in in full character. So anyway, just to 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 scoot forward then to where I interrupted the flow, because I I, we we
1: could go for days. I know.
0: (laughs) But we have, we have about uh, 10 minutes left before the, the the hour-long break, before we go into the clinical stuff. And and just for the, the listeners to the audio version of this, um, that's the premium content that you can get at breathingproject.com. Highly recommend it. Well, thank you. Yeah, you can try it out first month free, no obligation. And there's a lot of stuff up there, including the video version of this conversation, the next hour where we're going to talk shop. Uh, about the clinical work that you do. And we have some nice video footage that will um, that we'll analyze. But um, so you're, you're teaching in Malibu these big group classes. Uh, but as anyone knows who does what we do, the bread and butter really is the private work because as, as many people as you can put in a room paying whatever it is for the class, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of schlepping. Um, uh, and you're making very close to that or even more in many cases, just in one hour working with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so that was my bread and butter for many years and um, and you're still doing that work even at your advanced age, Larry, which we won't necessarily mention unless you want to say it. 78 and feeling great. There you go. 78 and feeling great. So yeah, it's prime of life. Why should you not tell us how old you are? That's uh, that's your whole your whole thing. Um, yeah. that you can, now you have had, a, a you, you, yoga helped fix your, your back. Uh, um, right. you did have, uh, some challenges that many people have as they age with your, with your hip. Right. So you, I mm-hmm. remember then the need, I remember the years you were struggling with that. Now, this is just osteoarthritis that developed. Uh, as a result, Uh,
1: I, 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 I counted to being a runner for 19 years on pavement, right? I think that didn't do me any favors then, you know, early was football. And then I had martial arts for about five years. Mm -hmm. So all those things banging on you, but I think more than anything, the running on the pavement was not my friend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll, that'll get your joints. Um, what, but was there a family history of osteoarthritis too? Because sometimes we're a little more prone to it. No, so you came well, by it on only.
1: Us. Family history was atrial fib, which I, I probably have.
0: <laughs> yeah, you well, know, I had to have mine dealt with as well, uh, and the COVID didn't help. I, I tried four times and it didn't work. So what, the the ablation? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't take. Yeah. So, so tell us about the spare parts you have in you now. I prefer not to.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't I didn't want you to talk about the penile implant, Larry. Come on.
1: No. Yeah. We already know about that. <laughs> I've had two partial knees and one hip. Okay. And one of these days the other hip's probably gonna be needed because it eventually gets there. And there's a man in in uh, in L.A. who is one of the only ones at this level who still takes Medicare, and his name is Andrew Yun and he's fantastic. Ah,
0: well, and, well uh, shout out to now him. Now
1: they're all, they're all doing it with robots now. Yeah.
0: But, but the, yeah. the reason I brought this up wasn't just to you know do more of a reveal about, about your body, but so many of the people in this prime of life age bracket are dealing with exactly – I have a client mm-hmm. who I'm working with now who has a knee replacement replacement. Where wow. they had to, they had to go in and redo one of the you know knee replacements, and that's actually people are living long enough now that that's become a sub specialty. There's doctors who are focusing
1: just on that because it's a whole. Thing yeah. yeah, Also, if you get a partial, mm-hmm. at some point you may need a full. You know, it's just all that. But the full knee is a long recovery. The hip is not that. Bad, Uh, full knee replacements, long recovery. Partial knee wasn't bad.
0: Right, so I'm going to ask you now, and I don't know know, off the top of your head, but if you could estimate, what percentage of the people in this aging bracket have had some kind of orthopedic procedure, either a replacement or uh, meniscectomies or reconstructions or something that they've needed surgery to help them uh, overcome?
1: I hate to say it, but probably half. At least know, a, something. Yeah. Something, you know, uh, at least, you know, on the joints and stuff, at least a third. Mm-hmm. But as far as something, you know, probably a half by the time they hit 70, you know, 80. And that includes but heart even,
0: procedures and valves uh, and, you know, uh, uh, all of the things that happen as we age.
1: Shoulder operation.
0: Sure. You know. So this idea of that Desikachara had of tailoring the yoga to the individual, not the other way around, learning how to adapt, how to modify, how to basically enter into a relationship with somebody where they're at, and base a practice on their condition, their aspirations, their capabilities, all of that. That was you, your training pretty much right from the beginning.
1: It was, and that's beautifully stated, Leslie, because that's where it was. And as you know, des guitar, if you came to see him privately, if you had that honor, mm. you had to tell him what you wanted to do. Otherwise, he'll just sit there and shoot the shit with you.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, he did he did that to me. I had a whole list of things I thought I was gonna study when I was in India. <laughs> and then he just wrote on a piece of paper and sent me away. He said, you know, think about this question, come back tomorrow. And he just I still the piece of paper. It was like why are you here? <laughs> oh God! <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, you had a
0: way of reorienting your priorities pretty quickly, uh, and and getting you to really engage in an inquiry about what was really important for you. Uh, he did in that relationship.
1: Yeah, and it was so sad that he died so young, and with all the things that he did. But what I think had something to do with it is the fact that the Krishmacharya's family was very innerbred, almost like they were marrying cousins and everything to keep the lineage and i think that had something to do with it but really i you know i never
0: thought of it that way i didn't, i wasn't aware of the sort of well you you stay in your caste you know you you well actually Desikachar didn't his and and um i believe that um that Krishmacharya's, uh wife was from the, the a different Vaishnav sect uh is what descar well, his wife
1: was um uh, ayengar's uh
0: sister older sister yeah 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 but so uh, I,
1: no, I I don't I don't know enough about it to say but I just know that it was very uh, uh strict about who they married and so forth and so on. And I, I think within that were some cousins and also there was one of Descatar's child. That was not the same as the other ones.
0: Well, his his oldest son Bhushan uh, yeah. was developmentally challenged. Yeah.
1: Yeah, nice guy, but just the I, sweetest you know, course- sweetest
0: person, Bhushan. But you know, yeah. just uh, need, needed help. But the yeah, and so the the irony, of course, is that you know we we had Krishnacharya on this planet for over a hundred years. Indra Devi lived to 102. Iyengar lived to 96 uh Patabi Joyce lived to what 94 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so there was just sort of this this expectation of longevity in this in this lineage. You yeah, know. So
1: I'm weird about Descartes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But um the contribution he made while he was active and teaching and from a pretty young age, you know, it really hit me hard when I realized that I when I got to be older than Desikachar was when I first met him in 1988, right? Because uh, he was born in 38, I was born in 58, right? So the man was only 20 years older than me, and I, you know, um, when when I crossed that threshold, that it got. I was feeling old, but also it reminded me of how young he was relatively. Um, when he started making a big influence, when he started traveling outside of India, because he made that first trip to, to um, Colgate in 1976. You know, the, the year that the, the, the book, Religiousness and Yoga, basically was,
1: uh, originated from the notes from that. Long- and as long as you're giving credit, uh, Mary Lou Skelton, was the one who discovered him and and invited him to Colgate and really sure. was the president of the Vini America. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was a wonderful lady.
0: And she brought the students from Colgate to, to India and her husband, Bill was a very famous ethnomusicologist and he was very taken with Carnatic music. And, you know, so he would bring his students there and then she started bringing her yoga students along on those trips. And, she got to meet and work with Krishna and of course Gary was one of, Gary Crafts was one of those students in the 70s at Colgate who got to take part in all that
1: not to take too much time on this but there was one really funny story that when uh, I wanted one of the times when I went to Colgate because you know you see see Desguetar privately then you go wherever he was going and mm-hmm. and um you know I used to play a lot of football so I I noticed that in the summer there, the football team was practicing, mm-hmm. so it was soccer. Team. So I said uh, to Mary Lou, I said, um, why don't we have Deskachar give them a, a, like a yoga routine? So she knew the football coach. Mm-hmm. So she went to ask him and he said, okay. So Deskachar <laughs> comes to me and he says, we're going to do it and you're the model. I saw, <laughs> so I've, I've seen, seen the footage the of that. I, I yes. It was, and for them he went something customized. So it was jumping and all yeah, that I, stuff. Yeah, because they were young kids. So I go, oh, thanks. start to find the model. <laughs> Where did I see that
0: footage? Is that on YouTube or was yeah, it on, on my YouTube, YouTube? Yeah. Okay, so I'll put a link to
1: that because that <laughs> was hysterical. He has you well, jumping who, around. Who else? Who else can have this much history <laughs> together? <laughs> well, yeah, to a long more. time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. so anyway that's a good note to, to end this this part on so we're gonna um okay. I'm gonna put a pause in the video and um I'll just remind everyone who's been listening uh to uh, consider uh, logging into breathingproject.com. Uh, you can check out everything that's there including the video version of this conversation we've just had and the one we're about to have where we talk shop and really get clinical with uh, the work we've been doing. So I'm going to uh, conclude this part. It's been great, and we'll take a pause, and we'll come back and do the next thing in a, in a minute. So, okay. uh, yeah. So, yeah, indeed. Uh, if you, as a listener, are feeling a little bit teased at this point, that is quite intentional. Uh, we really do hope that you will come and check us out at breathingproject.com to see the video version of this conversation, which includes that second hour where Larry and I uh, look at video of him working with some of his uh, special students, and we talk about our thought process when we're working one-on-one and basically have a chance to talk shop and get into some of the more technical, clinical details of Clinical Corner. So you can try it out for only $15 a month uh, or only 99 bucks for a whole year. First month is always free, so there's no risk to check it out. And we hope to see you there at breathingproject.com. So until next time on Clinical Corner, take good care and we'll see you next time around.